the Morris family got lost trying to find Zoo Gardens theme park. But that's okay. They found another amusement park instead. It's called Horrorland. In Horrorland, there are no crowds, no lines, and the admission is free. It seems like a pretty cool place. But that was before that heart-stopping ride on the deadly doom slide and that terrifying experience in the House of Mirrors. Because there's something weird about the rides in Horrorland. Something a little too creepy. A little too real. One Day at Horrorland is this week's story on The Goose Down. Welcome everybody to this week's edition of The Goose Down, the series where I review each and every one of the books in R.L. Stein's classic Goosebumps series. My name is Cameron Hawkins, host of the South Congress podcast, producer of the South Congress podcast network, contributor to the Pro Wrestling Torch, and a little bit of everything, I guess. So welcome back for most, welcome for the first time for some. Um, yeah, we're like 25% of the way through. This is crazy. Um, I started this, gosh, now about four months ago. Um, and the goal was to relate something from my childhood to my experiences today. I thought, what's something I loved as a kid that I'd enjoy talking about today is kind of a solo series because kind of everything else that we do is either in tandem or it's a group of us as far as these podcasts and stuff goes. So yeah, I wanted something I could just kind of talk about solo. And yeah, here we are a quarter of the way through the series. Um, there are 62 books in total. And this is number 16. Uh, one Day at Horrorland is one of those books that stick out in this series. Um, excellent cover art, uh, number one. Um, you know, it has the monster kind of holding the sign. And then you don't really see... Um, you know, what's in the park, but you know, it's kind of to be afraid of. Um, they did do actually a two part uh, TV episode of this. Like this is one of the books that was absolutely built to be seen. So, yeah, um, excited to tell this one. I thought that the issues that you can't scare me had with pacing. These didn't really face the same issues. And it's fun to talk about like technology in 1994. As opposed to today, because the very first problem that they face is, you know, one that I remember from this time. Um, so this was released February of 1994. If we go back to, I want to say the summer of 1992 is when my family moved from Southern Maryland to Wyoming. And the thing I remember the most, you know, we drove 
So we packed up uh, my stepdad's Cutlass Supreme and my mom's Nissan 240SX and took like one truck, I think, to give you an idea of of this travel. And uh, yeah, I remember giant maps, a bunch of hotels, uh, Best Westerns and Shoney's is kind of what sticks out. So uh, yeah, let's <laughs> let's kind of get into how that relates to all this. So this is told from the perspective of Lizzie Morris. Um, Lizzie is described as the older sister uh, to Luke Morris. Um, his friend Clay comes along with them on this trip and they talk about her two parents. Uh, what sticks out, Lizzie, Luke and her mom all have very similar looks. They're all tall and slim with dark hair and blue eyes. And her dad is like short, kind of stocky with a tuft of blonde hair. And his face is always red. So for anybody who listens to the wrestling podcast I'm on, I kind of picture him as Kevin Sullivan um, to give you an idea. So, yeah, um, this story takes like a lot of different turns. And it goes from like National Lampoon's vacation to killer clowns from outer space to i don't know insert weird uh, double turn fantasy story it's, it's really fun you can i think you can hear my excitement for this one so all right so they're driving across the desert is where it starts they're looking for a theme park a theme park called zoo gardens um and the issue is as they're driving because you know when whenever you start to go on a trip you know the first few turns like I live in Austin, Texas, and so wherever I'm going, whether it's uh, south to San Antonio where I grew up or it's north to Dallas to visit my boy B-Ray, I always know I'm starting on I-35. That's always the first part of the trip. I-35, and then you take that first exit they tell you about, then you navigate from there. And I think this is what the dad was dealing with because it's as they're driving that he realizes he forgot his map. And that immediately took me back to uh, the cross-country trip from Maryland to Wyoming. Like, there was a big, giant, random McNally map, almanac, whatever, that my parents would pull out and stretch out across the dashboard um, in order to try to figure out where we were going. So, I'm like, damn, a map? Like, the only thing you face nowadays is forgetting to bring your phone charger. So, now you can't use Google Maps or the way inferior Apple Maps app. Um, to find where you're going. So like this is literally a 1994 problem that doesn't exist anymore. But I I always try to figure out how did people get anywhere, um, you know, with with just these paper maps, because one wrong turn, you got to double back and you got to stop at the gas station. You got to ask a strange dude where you're going. Um, you know, he doesn't have teeth, so he's not making out his letters right. A bunch of crazy stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, dad loses the map. And they start to have that argument. Like, why can't we stop somewhere and talk to somebody? Well, we're in the middle of the desert. Like, there are no gas stations to stop at. Um, I don't know. And dad being dad, you know, we'll figure it out. And like a kind of a fun note about our parents that Lizzie acknowledges is that they always fight and you can't stop them unless you stop them early. So just, you know, what I think of all parents in 2019 is, is what she was going through at that age. And, you know, the best and worst thing I think about Goosebumps is a lot of times your narrators are 12 years old, but the description is so vivid. Like R.L. Stein creates just the most attention to detail, you know, well-spoken, well-read, uh, 
vividly descriptive 12 year olds kind of at every turn. But I think you have to accept that like for the stories that you're trying to read. So, okay, they're lost. Don't know where they're going. As they keep going, they come up on a forest um, and they're like, well, we don't know where we're going from here. Then they see a billboard. And this is one of the best uses of like a billboard matching what's on the cover. Kind of an issue they ran into last week with You Can't Scare Me where it didn't serve enough of the purpose. Um, But yeah, they see a sign that says that Horrorland is one mile away. So they go through the the twists and turns that you can figure of getting to somewhere that's supposed to be secluded. Um, But when they park. They notice, one, that there aren't a lot of cars there. There are cars there, but not a whole lot. So they get out of the car and they start to walk across the lot and their car blows up. And I don't mean like they hear the engine hiss and sputter and give out like it's happened to me way more times than I like to recall. But the car literally explodes. So, of course, you're freaking out like you lose your car the first five minutes of being somewhere. Somebody comes to greet them. And he's wearing a monster costume. Immediately um, apologizes to him. And he says, hey, hate hate that this happened to you guys. You can come into the park for free. (laughs) Like, okay. And the dad, you know, is like, okay, my car just blew up, though. Um, Do you have a telephone I can use? And he tells him, like, we we don't have phones. He's like, what? Like, no, we, we don't have phones. And dad being dad is like, well, I'm sure there's a phone somewhere, so we'll explore and try to find one. So it's at this point. We don't know where we are. We have no knowledge of this place. But um, dad decides to be Freddy from Scooby-Doo. And it's like, hey, me and your mom will go find a phone. You kids wander off by yourself. Okay, I guess. Um, And they're looking for either a phone or another car that they can use. Um, Because this is, I guess, you know early stages of enterprise rent a car i guess you you can maybe you can just find a car to take i don't know that was kind of strange but the first thing that they see the kids as a sign is like don't feed the werewolves like it's you know horror land people in monster costumes fair they keep seeing a werewolf and they get nervous but every time they see him he kind of disappears so they just assume it's a robot It's here in the story, and this is one of the really cool setups, I think, so far in the series, that they didn't wait a long time to drag out. You only get it early, and it ends up playing out later. There's a sign that says no pinching. The reason you draw attention to that, while they're in the car, uh, Lizzie, Luke, and Clay in the backseat, Luke is described as a kid that can't sit still and is always kind of doing goofy stuff. And so there was pinching going back and forth and pinching led to hitting. But this is something that they do really annoys Lizzie, something that Luke does, but just kind of who he is. So there's a sign that says no pinching that not going to find that anywhere. Right. So this is where the kids decide they're going to go on a few rides. Um, and you know, as they're going toward the rides, they're seeing weird things. Like they're seeing these people in the costumes. They're seeing people, uh, with black ice cream, they're seeing black balloons and they do actually see other people at the park because there were a few cars scattered here or there. So it's not full, but there are people kind of scattered about. The first thing they decide to do is go on what's called the doom slide. Um, there are 10 slides. And the workers um, describe it. They say, 
One of these is a slide that you will never stop sliding on. Kids are like, okay, it sounds funny. Lizzie goes on slide three because three is her lucky number. Luke decides to go on two and his buddy Clay being different goes on number 10. And it's really described as dark and scary and long. You kind of lose your sense of direction. But at the end of it, Luke and Lizzie um, reach the bottom and they find each other, but they can't find Clay. They ask one of the workers where Clay might be. Um, Figured he might have came out just before them, so he might have wandered off. The worker says, hey, maybe he took the doom slot. Um, So they're a little nervous, but I mean, it's still like this is the first strange thing that's happened. Um, And what they decide at this point is, well, we know he went down slide 10. So if we take slide 10, we'll find him. Um, And so slide 10 is crazy. It's longer than the other ones, darker than the other ones, more turns than the other ones. There are cobwebs on it, which really don't make sense if you're coming down it for the first time. But okay, there's a wall of flames that they approach. Um, so they are scared, but they get through it. Um, figure it's just a prop. And so, yeah, they, they get down to the bottom of the slide. Um, they do end up seeing clay at the bottom. And this is where you get this recurring theme of Luke being really, really nervous about everything. But as soon as it's over, he kind of deduces, oh, this is just for fun. Let's laugh about it. He's genuinely scared in the moment, but ends up shaking it kind of every time. So this is when they start to figure out that like these rides are a little scary um they end up going to like a house of mirrors and they get into the house of mirrors uh immediately get lost like you would expect because i think a lot of it's a pretty common trope in places that deal with circuses or deal with fairs like if you saw us um you know that's kind of the crux of where the movie's action happens is in a house of mirrors but they're in the house of mirrors. They all they get lost. They end up finding each other. But then when they see each other, they realize that they're still stuck behind glass. And they notice that the room starts closing in on them. And so that's a pretty cool moment of action. Um, as the room's closing in, they end up getting dropped out of the bottom of it. So again, another prop, which Lizzie becomes weary of. Clay becomes weary of. But Luke, once again, kind of tends to shake off his fun. So they do eventually gather like, hey, this is a little too much. This is when they try to go find their parents and they end up going to a barn. And on the barn, it says, beware of the bats. And they're not thinking anything of it. They go to the barn and are swarmed by bats left and right. Um, when they finally do manage to escape the barn, there are no bats for any, anywhere to be found. So Luke is like, hey, guess it was just another prop. So again, like he's not really buying into all this, even if he's a bit nervous. Lizzie and Clay are pretty shook. So after they get out of that, they finally find their parents. Parents tell them, yo, we've been looking for you guys for hours. Um, we actually, like, he's like, all the workers were actually like really nice to us. Um, and they're telling us that they can actually get us a car. So they spent this time wandering for the kids, realize that they're kind of lost. They don't know exactly where they are. Um, so. This is where, to get back to the other other side of the park, they decide to go on the coffin cruise. They figure it's like, uh, I don't know, if you're from where I'm from, Schlitterbahn, the Lazy River, will take you around the park via a tube. Get to one side of the park or the other, and you just get to chill the whole time. So that's what they think the coffin cruise is. 
Um, so they're in like these makeshift ra- makeshift rafts um, made out of coffin wood. So they get into the coffin, lazy riz- lazy river. They're riding. It's all really nice. Then they become locked in the coffins. Um, so they, they're freaking out. Um, I think that twice this book does a really cool job of just how scary claustrophobia is. Um, you know, not being able to breathe is, you know, one of everybody's biggest fears. So I think it really did a good job drawing that out. Um, so they're in the coffins and they're floating, they're stuck inside. They notice stuff starts to crawl and they kind of hear each other scream from the inside of the coffins, but they can't really make them out because it's closed. So they finally get out of it, right? Figure, okay, this is like the third or fourth time they've done a really good job of scaring us only for us to get out safely. Even though this park is really creepy, nothing bad's actually happened. So then they finally get to where they think the exit is and they see a sign that says, no exit, nobody leaves Horrorland alive. Dad's like, hey, because nothing's happened to the parents outside of that ride. So mom, (laughs) mom being what I assume to be a Caucasian woman based on how they were described, black hair and blue eyes doesn't lend itself to a lot of different ethnicities or races. Um, So mom definitely says, I'm going to file a complaint because reasons. Um, And dad's like, oh, you know, I'm sure we can get out of this. The exit's probably just somewhere on the side. So they start to look for another exit and they turn around and they notice that a couple of workers are coming up to them. And everybody's still in costume. A couple of workers turns into dozens of workers, turns into hundreds of workers. So they corner them and drag them off. They end up taking them to a place, telling them that they're going to be on a monster game show. And they say that it's the most popular show on like the monster cable network. And they're like, I don't have that. I I mean, not everybody had cable in 1994. So they're still under the impression like this is just a thing that you can order on your plan. What the hell was cable in 1994? Um, Time, AOL, time, I don't know. Um, I didn't pay for the cable in 1994. I'm a U-verse kid. So in this game show, they tell them you have 60 seconds uh, to escape or you're going to die. And they are really hunted down by monsters. Like there's a monster described as a four-armed gorilla. There are like four pig monsters running around. And they manage to duck, dodge, and dip from all these actual deadly traps. And then, um, like the monsters applaud them. They're like, yo, nobody's actually ever like survived this. And this one moment happens where it says that the announcer says that three out of five of them survive. And Lizzie's like, oh my God, who died in this group? Um, but then they say, oh, oh, our fault, our fault. Five out of five survived. So everybody made it. But then they get cornered by the monsters again. And they're about to get pushed into a pit to die um they're cornered um you know dad's talking a big game mom's talking a big game and lizzie has a moment where she remembers the sign that she saw at the beginning of the book that says no pinching she pinches one of the monsters and it deflates and one of the other monsters yells quick 
inflate them again, uh, which leads you to believe that if they're deflated too long, they die. And this is where this family goes on an attempted murder spree and starts pinching every monster that they can see that they can find in order for them to now get out of the front gate. They make it out of the front gate. So they escape. The monsters are chasing after them. They see a bus in the lot and in order to fit, you know, the tropes of these kind of stories. Um, the keys are in the ignition of a bus. And so they're able to escape out of the bus and they end up driving for hours without talking <laughs> because I mean they're all frightened for their lives and they all think they just committed mass murder um, <laughs> they end up driving for hours until they get home so they get home and they open the door of the bus and there's a monster on the back of the bus and they're like what what do you want like they're freaking out and he looks at him he's like hey just wanted to give you free passes for the park for next year. <laughs> like, I, I I hope that my tone throughout this episode conveys how much fun I had with this. Like the monsters, which are called horrors, which I think is, is a great name for them to be referred to collectively, um, you know, are not necessarily evil. Like they, they state to the uh, they state to the people at the camp, like. This is a joke to everybody. This is very serious to us. They keep repeating that to like the family. <laughs> so like this is them operating on like their monster set of rules. And we're led to believe that they have like a whole community and ideals that they go off of. And they, I don't know, they reproduce. And this is, this is what they do. This is what they're there for. It, it's really hilarious and fun and crazy. Like this, this is a story I really enjoyed. Whereas most other things were either... Um, you know, science fiction or like absolute horror. Like this is just like a really twisted fiction story like that I like. Like if if National Lampoon's Vacation, um, you know, was just if all the Randy if Randy Quaid was like a bunch of monsters, it's kind of how I would read this. <laughs> it was yeah, I had a blast reading this book. Um, so yeah, not like absolute horror, but paced well. Um, really cool, scary moments. And unlike, you know, last week's book where I felt like the action and the twist came way too late in the story, there were enough, there was enough interaction with the actual antagonist. And then you kind of getting their motivations at the end and even the dedication to ride a bus for hours hanging on the back of it to get free tickets is just so fun. Um, I, I don't always suggest that people go back and read these books. Number one, because I think I do a cool job of describing the action, but like this is one I definitely think you should read. Like, along with Haunted Mask and Welcome to Dead House and Night of the Living Dummy, like you should absolutely read One Day at Horrorland. I really enjoyed this story. Um, so next week, uh, it's so fitting that this is going to be, you know, a story from the early to mid 90s next week we're doing why i'm afraid of bees um you know which came out at the height of you know us being afraid of killer bees coming from mexico you know honey i shrunk the kids time like where where bees and bugs and ants were just the most frightening thing in the whole world because of the differences in what we learned from science and what we learned from technology so I, yeah i hope that one's as fun as i remember because i really enjoyed this story so uh yeah please 
go back and listen to the previous episodes. Um, tell your friends about the Goose Down. Um, you can find every episode available back to back on SoundCloud. Um, I know some of you listen via iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Player FM, but um, yeah, every episode in order. If you go to uh, soundcloud.com slash South Congress, and then you'll see the list of playlists and you'll see the goose down there. Um, yeah, always welcome to your comments, questions, concerns. You can email me at southcongress.com, South Congress with a K, uh, South, I'm sorry, South Congress at gmail.com. But yeah, um, this has been one day at Horrorland, the latest episode of The Goose Down, where I review every book in R.L. Stein's classic Goosebump series. My name is Cameron Hawkins, and thank you for joining me. The South Congress podcast is a lifestyle show that sometimes crosses over into mature territory. The views expressed are those of the hosts and guests who come from different backgrounds and experiences. Listener discretion is advised.